Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Um, well, I love Thursday nights because it's, it feels so much freer. I don't know whether it's because it's dark outside or this used to be my bar hopping night or what, but it just feels like it's freer. Yes, I did just say that. Whatever. I was an unbeliever at one time in my life. And um, so I love Thursday nights. Um, I love to be with you and have dinner. And I had pizza tonight. Let's all just extend your hands to me that that gluten won't stick to me in Jesus' name. Um, but I did want to, I do want to say a prayer because, um, this class that we're doing on Zerubbabel and is a really, I actually have written a book and it's in the process of, of the publishing process, but it's uh, so near and dear to my heart and I know it so well. And so I just want you to know it the way I know it. And so I just want to say another prayer that the Lord would release a spirit of understanding So, Father, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the reality of what you're doing in the earth. I thank you, Father, um, that we receive this message in the fullness of what you have in your heart. And so, Father, would you release a spirit of understanding, God? Would you break in over our minds? Would you open up our minds to receive all that you have for us in and through the message of Zerubbabel and what you're doing in the earth today and in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, over the last couple of weeks, I gave you my prophetic history. The Lord broke in, audible voice of the Lord, and I heard rebuild my temple, which of course at the time seemed a little strange to me, uh, as I've said over the last couple of weeks, because of course I wasn't Jewish. And so not having any um, connection to the word of God, never have read the word of God, didn't know anybody that heard from God, um, I was you know, very shocked at what the Lord was trying to say, and of course didn't understand it until, honestly, about uh, five years after it happened, and then all of the pieces began to come together. Um, So when the Lord talks about rebuilding his temple, he is talking about an Amos 9-11 reality, which is, um, in that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. And it also is Hebrews 9-11. So Christ has has now become the high priest over the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle or um, temple in heaven, which was not made with human hands and not part of this created world. And so um, the reality of that is, um, and I'm going to write it down right here, is, um, is that you are this temple. You are this temple. But God is saying something very significant through the message of Zerubbabel and his temple to this last generation. And if you can lay hold of this, then I believe that you will be prepared and we will be prepared to carry the greater glory that's about to be poured out. And I say that with the greatest amount of fear of the Lord, trembling and and, and humility, um, just because of some of the things, and I'm not doing anything, God's doing all the work, but but this is what he's doing in this last generation. And so when he's talking about a uh, temple, what he's talking about is a building that is a person 
with the, the Holy Spirit on the inside, right? Whoop, I'll make her a girl. <clears throat> so that's, that's the rebuilt temple. That is the rebuilt temple that he's talking about. He's not talking about a physical building. And while I, I love this prayer room, this prayer room is not his end game. He is using the prayer room all across the earth. Do you know that there are now, um, Mike Bickle started his house of prayer in 99. There are now 20,000 houses of prayer all over the earth. Why? Is it because somebody came up with a good marketing strategy or somebody came up with a, with a clever uh, marketing logo or whatever? No, it is because God is sovereignly moving throughout the earth. And so we have to pay attention because he told Mike Bickle in the 80s when he was in Egypt, the audible voice of the Lord came to Mike Bickle and he said, I am about to change the expression of Christianity in one generation. And this is it, people. God is returning us back to the ancient pathways, not religion anymore. Religion does nothing but get people sleepy. I don't know if you've been in one of those churches, but I went on Christmas one time when I wasn't a believer, and I can tell you it was Snoozeville. I was like, I don't know. This is what Jesus can do better than this, right? But it is this, and so I drew this out for you. Okay, you've got this guy right here, so you just get saved, right? Well, I call this guy Big Head Todd, okay? I think that might be a ban. Um, anyway, this is Mr. Religion. So you first get saved, and you're all puffed up, and you think you're pretty cool, right? And you've got, like, all this knowledge, and that was me. Well, that's how I was. I was like, yeah, I got it all together, building companies, making lots of money, Woohoo! whatever, so Mr. Religion, okay, so Mr. Religion will get into uh, works, he'll get into uh, doing lots of dead works, but he'll go about the business of religion, the business of the law, the business of church, right? But, but here's the thing, if he goes along here on the top of this line, then what happens is this, this never gets changed. And see the Lord, what the Lord is after, remember last week for the, who was here last week? Raise your hand. Okay. So for those of you that were here last week, you heard me talk about Babylon and how Israel got taken into Babylonian captivity. Well, remember Babylon means confusion, right? All right. So they got taken into a place of confusion. Well, where does confusion start? Whoop, right here in, in Todd's big head. Todd's big head will house confusion, which, which confusion, this is how confusion lives. This is how confusion gets to where they're going. Manipulation, control, rebellion, and they have a life that is constantly filled with drama. Right? Am I right? Oh, is this not coming through? Okay, thank you. All right, so, um, and so there's constantly a battle going on right here. And so, so this is where the church is right now. And so the church isn't actually doing anything. They've become a country club where everybody just comes in and it's like, oh, hey, let's go have lunch, which is good. Community is good. I'm not saying anything bad about community, but I am telling you, there is no effectual change in this nation, and we are getting run over by the culture instead of us going out and changing the culture, right? 
So you've got him, and he's like, la, 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 I'm not going to change. All I'm going to do is I'm going to go to church, and if I'm really religious, I'm going to go to church on Wednesdays and Sunday, and then if I'm uber religious, I'm going to even call myself a forerunner, and I'm going to have all of the language of a forerunner, but I'm not actually going to pray. All right, so, but this is what God is after. God is after a praying church, because what happens when you begin to pray and you have a life in prayer this is what happens to you. This shrinks. Because when you spend time with the God of all the universe, you realize you're not that cool. You realize you're really not that smart. And you're like, oh, okay, you're right. That is a better way to do it than the way that I'm doing it. And then he begins to talk to you and he begins to say, let me talk to you about the the ideas that I had in my head about you when I was forming you in your mother's womb. And all of a sudden, you begin to agree with everything he says to you, and you're, you become like this. Your little head is really small. Well, the, the Lord wants us to use our brains, but only when we have our, our spirit man fully alive. Right? And so what happens is that your, your heart and your spirit man begin to explode. And all of a sudden, your mind is following your spirit, not your spirit following your mind. And so this person, what is he doing? He is going around and he is sharing the gospel. And sometimes he doesn't even have to talk because he's got so much light exploding from him. There's so much prophetic. There's so much um, 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 healing. There's so much testimony. And so this person, everywhere they go, it's it, he transforms the places that he goes. And so the beauty of that is that this actually begins to happen. So out of this is springing life. And so truth begins to happen, right? And so it, it replaces confusion. Remember, where did, where, did, um, where did Zerubbabel go when he went to rebuild the temple? He left Babylon and he went to Jerusalem, right? Jerusalem means peace, okay? You need to remember that because there will be a test later. Which means that all of a sudden, they have clarity. They begin to see in the spirit the things that the Lord is saying. And they're like, wow, that's actually more real to me than what I see in the natural. This right here is the truth. And this right here is a fact. I believe the truth. I believe the truth. All right? And so that, that in that place, there's rest, there's peace, there's joy, and there's righteousness. All right? And so, so Mr. Religion, through prayer, okay, prayer, through following the commandments of God, and you don't do it because it's the law. You do it because it's love. And love will always take the place of the law. And so in this place, you begin to, in this place of prayer, you go, oh, man, I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love with a man. I'm falling in love with a man that gave it all for me. I'm following it in love with a man whose words are giving me life. And so all of a sudden you go, I just want to do whatever pleases you. You've become my great reward. Amen? And then you become Mr. Spirit Man. Sorry, ladies, you can put spirit woman in there. All right. So as I share this journey of Zerubbabel, 
I want you to know that there's several applications or two applications. One is going to be personal and the other is going to be corporate, which, um, which I found through my study over nine years um, is, has been just amazing um, how, how in-depth the Lord went um, on, on talking about uh, Zerubbabel and his life. And, um, and all of the symbols that can apply to church history and all of the symbols that can apply to your daily life. So uh, turn in your Bible to Ezra 1. 1. Now, there are three books that we are going to concentrate on. It's the book of Ezra. It is the uh, book of Haggai. And it's the book of Zechariah. Now, um, in these three books, the book of Ezra is an historical book. So it tells the story of, of the coming out of Babylonian captivity that the people were, that the people of God were doing. Uh, Haggai and Zechariah are both prophetic books. And so the Lord introduces them. And don't you know, when a prophet shows up in the scene, something very cool is about to happen, right? Okay. I'm not just saying that cause I'm a prophet, but I do like to see cool stuff, don't you? All right, the book of Ezra. No, no, no. Right before Nehemiah and after Chronicles. All right, so we're going to start in chapter 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom and also put it in writing. Okay, stop there. Now, remember last week I told you, oh, Jeremiah, that prophet that always had was in a bad mood and was always, you know, nobody wanted to invite him to the party because he was always like, repent, which was really a good thing at the time. But anyway, so Jeremiah writes a letter as they're being taken into Babylonian captivity. And he says this, you're going to be there for 70 years. It's a big old 70 year timeout because you guys weren't doing what the Lord told you to do. And so, but while you're there, we want you to marry. You're going to plant gardens. You're going to have houses, but basically you're going to be the slaves. So try really hard not to worship those false gods while you're over there. And, but at the end of 70 years, and this is that famous scripture, you know, the one that you all have on your refrigerator, Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, and I'm going to bring you back because I have a plan and a purpose for you and a plan to prosper you. And so that was the promise. So Cyrus, he's reading, he just took over. He just kicked Nebuchadnezzar out. He's like, I I beat you. I get to be king now. And so here Cyrus is, and he's like, hey, you guys go through all those scrolls. Let's see what's in there. And he finds the letter from Jeremiah. And what does he do? Like, he just became king right? Well, he's like, oh, wait, we need to do this. God is saying something. Now, this is a demonic king. This is the guy in that show 300, which I do not recommend any of you watch. Um, but uh, he was a Babylonian king. These guys were having orgies. They were, they were into witchcraft. They had, I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. So, but he says this, it says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. Don't you know, God doesn't care who's in office. He he's not bothered whether there's a Democrat or a Republican or an independent or somebody that's into witchcraft or whatever. His will will be done. 
He will stir up his spirit to accomplish his purposes. Sometimes it's you're going to get taken into captivity for X amount of years, eight years, America, before the Lord is going to bring you back into prosperity. Anyway, to he who has an ear to hear, <laughs> let them hear what the Spirit is saying. All right. Verse 2. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me. Now listen to that. This guy is saying, God's given me this kingdom, right? It's crazy. And he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Ju Judah. Okay, so now I want you to turn to Isaiah 45. Sorry, I keep putting on my glasses, but you know, I can't see without them, and then I can't see this with them, and so it's crazy. Uh, okay, Isaiah 45. Actually, we'll start in 44. Y'all know where that is, right, Isaiah? It's in the middle. All right, we're going to start in, in uh, chapter 44, verse 28. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all of my pleasure saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. Okay, I want you to think about this for a minute. This scripture was written 150 years before Cyrus ever came on the scene. That's the power of prophecy. So, again, if you're worried God's not going to fulfill his word, I'm telling you, God's will is going to be done. If he has said it, it's going to come to pass. All right, so uh, 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 chapter 45, verse 1. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight, and I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron, and I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places. Okay, stop there. Um, okay, so how many of you saw Lance Wallnow's prophecy like two years ago? Okay, so Lance Wallnow, <clears throat> he prophesies. Now, for everybody that's about to get mad at me, I am not getting political. I am still talking in the spirit, and I'm still talking about what the Lord is saying. Again, God is not a Republican, and he's not a Democrat, so I just wanted to say that before I'm about to say this. Um, all right, so uh, this is what Lance Wallnow said, and he said it in his book called God's Chaos Candidate, and he was talking about uh, Donald Trump. Um, he prophesied that the next president, this was in 2015, that this was before all, you know, remember the big, you had all like 20 different candidates. Um, so 2015, he prophesied the next president would be America's 45th president and was would be like a Cyrus from Isaiah 45, um, which is just incredible um, because, and he said, he would be like a Cyrus, like that of Zerubbabel's temple in Isaiah 45. And this was a sign of the new priesthood that was about to emerge. Okay, so what does that mean? Now, when I read this, 
already knew everything about what God was doing with this, with this whole Zerubbabel message. But when I read this and what he was saying about Isaiah 45, it stirred me up. Why? Because I realized that I had just stepped into God's timing and that what was about to happen is that the fulfillment of what God was saying about Zerubbabel and his rebuilt temple in America is about to happen. And so if you, if you read again, let's read again what he says about this Cyrus, okay? He says this. You will subdue nations, or I will subdue nations before him, and I will loose the armor of kings. All right, so I want you to look at what's happening all over the world. What is happening all over the world? This man, Donald Trump, a you know, I mean, he says the most inappropriate things. But God is using his words to go in and hit the status quo and begin to shatter it. And so what is happening is he's loosing the armor of kings, and these kings have had protection. He's loosing, look at every single industry that that man speaks to, and he begins to take it and shake it. Everything that he speaks to, he hits it, and it begins to crumble. So he's loosing that one world government, and that's beginning to fall all over the world. He's loosing this whole communism, socialism, Marxism that was beginning to take a hold of the world. This one man. This one man. And it's not because Donald Trump is cool. It's because God is using the most inappropriate person to go around and do his bidding, which is why we can go, oh, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Because everybody's scratching their head going, this makes no sense. This guy, it, it doesn't, he doesn't play by our rules. All right. To open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight and I will break in pieces the, 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 the gates of iron and, and the bars of, or, or gates of bronze and the bars of iron. Okay, so remember, remember the timeline. Remember what was happening. Coming out of chaos and into the truth. You know, what happens is that the chaos is the crooked place that you and America have been held in over the last, I don't know, 50 years like there's been this thing where where people are talking and you're like well they're saying that but they're not doing that and there's so much confusion because everybody we're in the information age and I, I don't know about you but if you'll look at what the enemy is trying to do you, you will see it and then you'll say oh but God is actually going to be doing the opposite and so all of this swirling words that the enemy is trying to land on us in this information age, God is about to pull a whole generation out of it so that we're like, no, this is the truth. I push away social media. I push away the pundits. I, I am not going to engage in a political spirit. I am not going to engage in a, in a religious spirit, but I am going to be a son of God and I'm going to listen to what God is saying and that is going to be my only barometer. Amen? All right, so this is the other thing he says, and I will give you the treasures of darkness the, and hidden riches of secret places. 
And so he's saying, listen, there is actually hidden revelation that's coming to the body of Christ in order to feed you the food that you need to grow up and mature. And he's, and God's doing a quick work in his people in this hour because he has set a Cyrus over the nation. Now, when a Cyrus shows up, what, uh, what's about to happen? When Osiris shows up, there's about to be an exodus. When Osiris shows up, we know this because we know what the word of God says. God is about to take his people out of a place of captivity. He is about to have a mass exodus out of this big head Todd religious system. And he's about to throw us and thrust us into a place where we begin to wake up and get shaken out of our lethargy. Doesn't that sound amazing? So again, as watchmen, we have to be looking and we have to not just see what God is saying for our own lives, but we have to say, God is doing something in the nations. And so we, when we hear something like this, we're like, tick-tock, this actually means something. We're on, the clock is now running, and God's doing something big. I need to get in on what God is doing, because God has a destiny over your personal life, but he also has a destiny over your corporate life and over your city and your nation. And you get to play in that game. And so this is not just uh, uh, personal, but this is corporate. And so this will, and when it gets personal, it's going to be so fun. It's going to be so much fun, guys. We're going to have the time of our lives. This is about to be the most exciting generation that has ever lived. And I mean, this is the generation that the great cloud of witnesses was asking, it's saying, God, how long, how long, how long, how long? Before you avenge our blood, how long before we get to see the shining ones? How long? Because I'm telling you, Cyrus has shown up and I'm telling you, I am going to show you in the book of Haggai how the shining ones are about to arise. Okay, y'all with me? All right, so you've got, let's turn back to Ezra. Are y'all excited? All right, so Ezra uh, chapter 1, verse 6. And all those who are around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, um, with goods and livestock and with precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. Um, so, so you've got a couple of things that happened. Um, whenever there's an exodus, guess what happens? historically in the Bible, whenever there's an exodus, when there was an exodus with Moses, the first one, when there was an exodus with Zerubbabel, the second one, when there was an exodus with Jesus, the third one, guess what happened? All three times. The provision. All of a sudden, the people spontaneously began to pour out and seed in the new thing that God was doing. Because when, again, when you've got a Cyrus, you've got an exodus. When you have an exodus, You've got a temple that's about to be rebuilt. Why? Because God is pulling his people out of confusion in order to bring them into clarity, in order to bring them into worship. You will worship me in spirit and in truth. You will worship me in spirit and in truth. Amen? All right, so that's what's happening. So they begin to pour out all the gold and the silver. And it says in verse 11, all the articles of gold and silver were 5,400. And so they opened up the treasury. Cyrus opened up the treasury so that they could begin to rebuild. So they go in and they begin to rebuild. And there were like only 4,000 people that went with him, which is kind of a bummer because he's like, hey, what about the rest of you? And they're like, uh, you know, 
I'm kind of settled. My kids are already in school. And, you know, I think we're going to let you guys go first and just see how that works out. Right? Amen? Well, but here's the thing. God always, not only does he, does he always pour out his gold when there's a rebuilt temple, but the other thing that he does is um, he will raise up a remnant. There will always be the 10 percenters that will be watching and listening and ready to go. And so they're going to, they're frontliners, man. And that's what I believe the people that are sitting in this room are frontliners. Sorry, but you are, you're called to duty. Um, and so you're hearing and you're seeing and you're like, okay, prophetically, something is bubbling up in me and I'm bearing witness that this is right, that this is the hour. This is, these are the things that are happening. And I, what I want to do is I want to be prepared to run with this. I want to get into alignment with what God is doing, not just for my own life, but even for my nation. And I want to participate in that so that I can be part of the hinge of history, right? And so when you get to heaven, God's going to do, say, what did you do with what I gave you? And you're going to be like, well, I stayed back, and well, everybody else did it. And I love what Mike Bickle said. He said there will always be a remnant, and they'll be 10 years ahead of everybody else. And what they'll do is they'll go out and begin to lay claim to the land, and then the things that were so extraordinary with those forerunners will actually be commonplace in 10, play, in 10 years for the body of Christ. And so there are, if you're listening to this, there are breakers among you. There are people that are called to be the tip of the spear and go out ahead of the rest of the body of Christ. So that's why you feel like you don't belong. You're like, man, nobody gets me. It's like, yeah, I know. You know, think about the 4,000 that went in. All right, so they start building. Here's what happens, though, in chapter 4. So they start their building. There they are. They're in Jerusalem. Well, guess what? Jerusalem is actually still part of Babylon. So they're rebuilding the temple in the midst of the enemy. How many of you, right after you got saved, right? Because this is all about you. It's personal. You got saved, and, and, they're like, and, and everybody's like, hey, you know, if you want to go to church and all of that, that's cool. If you want to hang out, yeah, religion. You know, everybody says, yeah, you're really a religious person, whatever. But the minute that you start praying, the minute that you start really pressing in, they go, whoa, what, what are you doing? And so all of a sudden, you live in a Babylonian culture. Everything about the culture that you live in is opposite of what you're trying to do. So they're laying the foundation. The fathers of the faith are laying the foundation. And all of a sudden, the people of the land begin to discourage and frustrate the building. Okay, so I want to show you this because what happens is that your relatives, after you get saved and you start getting like radical, like you start prophesying, whoa, whoa, what do you, what do you mean God talks? You know, if you're going to go to church, that's one thing, and sit there and, and do the religious stuff, that's one thing. But when you start actually becoming one with Christ, they're all like, no, 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 that's a cult. That's a cult. How many of you heard that? That's a cult, right? Okay, thank you, like everybody here. So, so then what they'll do is they begin to try to discourage you and they begin to try to frustrate the building of your temple. And so you're trying to grow and all of this resistance comes in saying, no, 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 you can't be that because that's wrong. All right, but 
there was this thing that happened even in the day of Jesus where the foundation of the temple got laid and what happened, right? 2,000 years, 2,000 years of frustration. So the way that this foundation was laid doesn't look anything like the current church, Western church, does it? It doesn't look like the apostles. It doesn't look like signs and wonders. It doesn't look like power, love, right? You're not walking into, or, or most of the church, you are, but most of the church, you're not walking in a room and people falling over under the power of God and your shadow is not healing people, church. So, so what happened is that they, people came in and began to frustrate the nature of, of the truth of, of how the foundation was laid. Okay. So, a couple of applications there, both personal and corporate. All right, so moving on. So then God does something miraculous. In, in chapter 5, God's like, after 16 years, of uh, they stopped building the temple, right? So another king came along, kicked Cyrus out, and so they started, uh, they stopped building the temple. And they're like, well, we're in Jerusalem. I guess we should probably just kind of build our own house and you know, go to the grocery store and, you know, Johnny needs to get braces on his teeth. And so life begins to happen and it begins to steal that fervency and the passion for the house of the Lord and for the temple that we're building because the enemy was able to get in. And that's where you see a lot of people, they will fall away from the original purpose because of offense, bitterness, sometimes just because they don't understand the truth in the beginning. It's that parable of the sower of the seeds. You know, there's so many different places where that seed will fall. And so the seed was falling in some really stony ground. The word of God got taken away from the people and also the um, practice of the, of the uh, feasts got taken away from the people. And so there's so many things that began to happen, not just for you, but, but corporately and historically in the church. So then the Lord did this after 16 years. In chapter 5, verse 1, Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, son of Iddo, how would you like that name? Uh prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and Jeshua, the son of Jozadak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. So um, I want I want you to think um, historically for a minute, okay? Because historically means generationally. So I want you to take a look at your generation. And how many of you have been in the church for 30 years? Okay, how many of you have been in the church for 40 years? Okay. So over the last 20 years, 
the Lord has been breaking into the church in a major way with the prophetic. He's beginning to talk to his prophets and not just the big guys. But there is a, now remember when I was first saved, I mean, I didn't know God spoke to anyone because there was not people around going, thus saith the Lord. But then God began to raise up these individuals. And so they were just kind of like little, they were peppered all throughout the world. And we were all like, prophet, prophet, you know? And so we're all running after the prophet, remember? And remember in the beginning, some of them were like really bizarre, you know? It was like, what? It's wrong with you. Why are you acting this way? But it, but that's kind of whenever God reintroduces something, that's the way. Anyway, so um, then everybody starts prophesying. And there is this massive thing that's happening all across the world where the word of God is with the people of God again. And they're beginning to have dreams they're beginning to have visions. And I'm telling you, when you see this happen, you know God is up to something big. Because as it was with John the Baptist, God sends a forerunner with the word of the Lord to begin to prepare the way for something big to happen. And he's doing it all across this generation. And so what happens is that when the prophetic... And prayer begin to be established again. You know God is about to complete his work because the capstone 